Alconbury Weald is a vibrant new community developed by urban and civic in the heart of Huntingdonshire, between Cambridge, Peterborough, Bedford and Northampton. The 1,400-acre area will provide 5,000 homes. But as we're about to discover, this place has been inhabited for thousands of years. Alconbury Weald sits on a former RAF airfield which operated between 1938 and 1995. And it's here on one of the old runways where today's story begins. From as long as I can remember, I always wanted to fly. So I joined the Air Force when I was 15, straight from school, and joined the boy entrance. Been my career ever since. That's Mac. Hello. I'm Mac, Mac Rigby. I'm in the Royal Air Force. I was air crew. I'm Anne, and I'm Mac's wife. Mac and Anne are some of Alconbury Wheel's new residents, but their connection with this place goes back a lot further. During the Cold War, about 1985, we were operating from um, here at uh, Alconbury. Our uh, runway at um, RF Witten was being resurfaced at the time, and this was the ideal place for us to park our aeroplanes. Today, we explore the legacies of Alconbury Weald from its recent military heritage that informs the new design. We dive into the past to uncover Iron Age roundhouses, Roman roads, agricultural landforms and royal forests. I'm TV presenter and archaeologist Raksha Dave, and this is Alconbury Weald Stories. Walking through Alconbury Weald, you'll find clues to its military past all around. The RAF Alconbury was opened in 1938 as a satellite airfield to the nearby RAF Upward. The very next year, the Second World War broke out and RAF Alconbury swung into action. Nearby RAF Witten controlled the base moving in 15 Squadron and 40 Squadron with their Bristol Blenheim and Fairy Battle bomber planes. By the summer of 1942, Alconbury's aircraft had taken part in over 650 deployments. That same year, RAF Alconbury was handed over to the United States Army Air Forces, who moved 93rd Bombardment Group in, later replaced by 92nd. This era brought extensive changes to the airfield, with runway extension, additional hard standing, hangars and support buildings, some of which are still visible today. In 1945, victory was declared in Europe on the 8th of May. The gradual wind down of RAF Alconbury from a war footing began from here. The US Army Air Forces left the sites and handed it back to the RAF who used it as an ammunition store until 1953. But peace after the Second World War did not last long, and the Americans were back in 1955 as part of bolstering forces in Europe as the Cold War began. Mackinac Rigby lived in the historic market town of St Ives, just five miles from the airfield at Alconbury, and they remember it well. Yes, I used to watch him go flying over and um, sometimes you used to see him coming in. It was mostly in the morning I used to see him taking off. Whenever we're approaching into um, Alconbury, if it was on the, the western runway, as where we're standing now, 
Uh, the first thing actually you would notice flying in about five miles the other end of this runway was actually my house where we lived. Coming closer, the first thing you really notice of course is the voices on the radios, the American voices guidance in from the control tower. Closer in you, uh, you see the uh, pick up all the points on the runway. Over to the uh, right is the hardened aircraft hardened shelters and across to the left would be the, uh, the main base camp. Um, being um, RAF, I could with my family come on base and enjoy some of the facilities. You could buy food and you get your hot dogs and other stuff. Little America, we'd call it. And you get the most wonderful breakfasts. I did get a taste for American breakfast. Little America may have come and gone, but a number of fascinating structures remain. There are hangars, control centres, bunkers and huts, some of which are listed buildings. Alconbury Weald puts heritage at the heart of its design. To find out more, we spoke to Joanne John, a landscape architect from Bradley Murphy Design. So as a consultant team approaching a design like Alconbury Weald, we look at the cues from heritage and how it was shaped in the past to inform the future design. So we look at the landscape and the stories that the landscape tells in terms of uses, whether that be agricultural use, the kind of habitats that were there in the past by looking at historic mapping, archaeological digs. But there's also the heritage cues in the built forms. The very same runways that Mac flew into in the 1980s have been used as blueprints in the design process. So we've got a number of runways and uh, taxiways at Alconbury Weald. And as part of the design process, we looked at how we could retain the runways and incorporate them into the uh, framework of the design. So recently, Garland Park was opened and that form is uh, located on the former alignment of a taxiway that leads up to uh, the run main runway, which will be the future runway park. This taxiway was heavily used during the Second World War. Local legend has it that the pilots used to look back towards the church at Stukeley and say a prayer before they took off. So as part of the landscape design, we look to incorporate large play structures so children could climb and get high views looking back towards the school and recreate those views, uh, kind of nod towards the past and how it was used in the past to kind of shape the future. Visitors to Alkaroo Weald can't help but notice some of the unique structures around. These buildings are given intriguing names, such as the Watch Office or the Avionics Building, also known as the Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain as the kind of bunker which was designed to survive a direct nuclear attack. Uh, and that's a grade two listed building from the Cold War era. You can go online and explore Magic Mountain as part of a virtual tour, which is quite interesting to go and look around online and see uh, what it's like inside. These buildings played a vital role in Alconbury's history and are quite remarkable to look at. So it's no wonder they've been listed for protection. However, this can pose a challenge. In order to ensure long-term survival, they need to be not only maintained, but also integrated into the new community. Whilst we could retain them and leave them in situ, that doesn't celebrate them or give them a future use. And the challenge you have then is they can fall into disrepair, 
they would have no association with the development and would sit in isolation. So it's important that we sensitively restore these listed buildings. So the watch office has been recently refurbished and sensitively restored for the community use. One of the key challenges as landscape designers is how we create an appropriate setting and how that listed building can sit within the landscape. So we created Watchtower Green, which is uh, central to the watch office. And it's recently been used for community events, uh, public gatherings, and it kind of brings to life the watch office and gives it that future use as part of the uh, future development. The new residents at Alcanbury Weald are keen to take advantage of some of the most interesting buildings. In fact, I'm speaking to you right now from Alcanbury Weald Studios in a 20th century bunker that a local media company now calls home. These fascinating remnants of the Second World War and Cold War are all around. But what of Alcanbury before? We called up Clemency Cooper from Oxford Archaeology to find out. I think what really excites me about Alcanbury Weald is the juxtaposition between the more recent history and also that very ancient past. So there's a great awareness of the RAF base, but what people might not realise is that um, this area has been in use for far longer than that. Clemency and the team were involved in the planning stages of Alcanbury Weald right from the start. Through archaeological studies and excavations, they've uncovered a rich and dynamic story of settlers through the ages. Alcanbury Weald is in the West Cambridgeshire Claylands, near to the River Great Ouse. On the gravel terraces of the river lived the first prehistoric people documented in the area. These nomadic tribes were drawn here by the easy access to water and the free draining gravel, which was perfect for seasonal or temporary settlements. It wasn't until uh, later when people were no longer nomadic hunter-gatherers moving around the landscape and they were actually starting to settle and farm that people moved further upslope to the clay plateau that is uh, where Alcanbury Weald now sits. Sloping off to the north, you have the, the wetter fenlands. Now, these have been created by seawater over time. And uh, the fens would have been a really important uh, resource to people living in the area in the past. The fens would have had a, a wide range of um, birds, a lot of resources such as reed for thatch, and also a lot of people were travelling by boat at that time. Excavations in the areas around the runway have uncovered evidence from several different periods. To the west of the runway, archaeologists found evidence of people at Alcanbury as far back as the Bronze Age, which in Britain lasted from around 2500 BC until 800 BC. In the Bronze Age, it seems as though there were some small earthwork monuments we have a barrow which would have been a mound of soil where people were buried in the past to the southwest of the runway we have the the main area of late iron age and early roman use 
at this time, people are actually living here at Alconbury Weald and we have a number of roundhouses. Um, most are sort of 10 to 11 metres in diameter with entrances to the southwest. These would have been made from uh, sort of wattle and daub, timber buildings with thatched roofs. And this is where people were, were doing all of their daily activities. So this is where they were living and doing sort of um, light industrial use. So making pottery, caring for their animals. And around these enclosed inhabited areas, we have larger enclosures where their livestock was kept. So in the late Iron Age, we see more sheep and goat. And in the early Roman period, we've got more cattle being reared. The advantage for cattle is that you can also um, have their, their milk as well as their meat and they can also um, help pull ploughs as well. The earlier settlers were drawn to the varied landscape using the resources from the Great Fen, such as reeds to build their thatched roofs. Later on in the Roman period, the vicinity to other important settlements also made this a prime location on the trade route. What is remarkable is that we see this continuity of use with people living in the same area for several hundred years from the late Iron Age into that early Roman period, whilst there's a lot of other change happening in Roman Britain. And with the building of Ermine Street nearby, the establishment of the town and the fort at Godmanchester, we have families continuing to farm at Alconbury Weald for a considerable length of time. And this wasn't known about until we excavated here. These were farmers who grew all of their own food for themselves and also sold it on to others. Some of the notable finds come from the Roman period. We've got uh, a lovely Roman glass bead and a range of different Roman brooches um, in different forms, which indicate that people were trading and bringing these items in uh, to Alconbury Weald. But after the third century AD, we don't seem to see any further occupation at Alconbury Weald. But there seems to be people still living in the area. So Little Stukeley is a late Anglo-Saxon village and we have Huntingdon is established by the medieval period. St Ives is a later market town as well in the area. And what we actually have at Alconbury Weald is evidence of uh, continued arable farming in the area right up to really early modern times and before the RF base was established. The emerging picture of settlers at Alconbury Weald is one of industriousness. All manner of farming occurred here, including ridge and furrow, which is a feat of engineering in itself. By the medieval period, uh, at Alconbury Weald, we have open arable land. We know this because of the surviving ridge and furrow. So ridge and furrow is a term for the earthworks created by uh, cultivation in long strips. So that means that uh, when ploughing the land, you ploughed in very long straight rows and then turned your plough and went back again along that row in the opposite direction. Repeating this year on year created 
sort of steep ridges of uh, soil in which you planted your crops and then deeper furrows on either side of the ridge which drained the water from those ridges. There's a concentration of ridge and furrow at the eastern end of the runway and across um, that eastern side of Alconbury Weald. So this was clearly um, used for cultivation for many hundreds of years. Middle Ages marked Alconbury's aristocratic era. When Henry II came to the throne, he declared all of Huntingdonshire to be a royal forest. In practice, that meant that the local gentry, such as the Presley and Stukeley families, could control who was permitted to hunt and collect resources. The area would have been quite biodiverse, with a combination of arable and parkland with woodlands and wetlands in between something that Joe and the team at Bradley Murphy Design are keen to incorporate in the landscape once more. So what we're left with in present day is pockets of ancient woodland and woodland blocks that form fragmented habitats within the landscape. And what the landscape design and the proposals for Alconbury Weald provide the opportunity to kind of join those fragmented woodlands up through new woodland planting, new habitat creation, taking down the barriers to the airfield, letting the public and the wildlife back in as part of that joined up nature recovery network um, for the safe movement of both wildlife and of people. As part of the landscape vision, there's three principles, connecting woodland, replenishing grasslands and recycling water. So we're drawing back almost to those forest principles from the medieval era of woodlands, grasslands and wetlands. To get a sense of these medieval forests of the past, we tacked northwards on the trail through to Presley Wood, one of the key defining elements of the new country park plans. Historic mapping shows the area was once uh, pockets of woodland that formed stepping stones from Huntingdon up all the way to Abbots Ripton and to Monk's Wood. There was a large area near to Presley Wood and within the site called Alkmanbury Wood. Centuries of farming practice and food production means that Cambridgeshire today is one of the least wooded counties in the country. For the same reason, the familiar sounding Alkmumberry Wood disappeared from mappings after the 16th century. So standing here now in Presley Wood, you look around and you can see the moated edge, there's a double moat. And within the woodland, we're kind of protected and it's enclosed and we're away from the exposed elements of the wind in the arable landscape. And the woodland uh, creates this light canopy shade and we get these pockets of light that come through uh, and almost create glades. The schedule monument is all that remains of the manor of the Presley family. This curious feature has a double moat that dates back to the early 13th century and it's one of the best preserved monuments of its kind in Cambridgeshire. And as part of those early discussions with the Stukeley Parish Council and public consultation, it became apparent that it, it's really well regarded locally and they wanted to celebrate it. So not only is it a moated medieval site that had a 13th century house in the middle that has archaeological remains, but it's also the trees that have established on the schedule monument protected by tree preservation order. But the challenge we faced uh, as a design team and urban and civic is that much of the woodland had fallen into a state of disrepair. If we left Shed um, Presley Wood, the Schedule Monument as it was now, and did nothing, 
we'd lose it. So it's that balance of safeguarding a scheduled monument that has a historic story, as well as sensitively managing the woodland. We had to apply to uh, the Forestry Commission to undergo uh, tree works to clear out the diseased and dying woodland to make it safe. We've also worked with Historic England to shape proposals that look at how to get public access back to the, into the woodland and how we can sensitively manage people's access without being detrimental to the heritage assets. Urban and Civic plan to celebrate Presley Ward by highlighting it as a jewel in the crown of the new country park. But this is about more than simply protecting the area for posterity. These features of the past will become an active part of the future of Alcranbury Weald to be explored, used and lived alongside. Presley Wood tells an amazing story. It's important that we bring it to the forefront and we safeguard its future in a respective way. And there's the opportunity as part of the country park proposals is that we could possibly have plays or storytelling within the woodland. It's not just about putting up boards that tell you the history. It's how we can celebrate its history. The openness of the fertile land and the rich ecology attracted settlers for hundreds of years. Over time, however, Alcanbury Weald became slowly more closed, first to the aristocratic families and much later due to its military role. But it never lost its charm and sense of place. The new community represents Alcanbury Weald reopening from private to public to once again to be explored and enjoyed by all. The change is perhaps felt most by those who knew Alcanbury as it was before, Mac and Anne Rigby. Well, we had a large four-bedroom house. It had a large garden at the front and the back, and we used to go abroad a lot, and uh, it was getting a little bit too much for us. So we realised that downsizing is a thing for us. When we um, moved from our house, as Anne said, in, um, we'd been there for quite a number of years. And we loved it, 37, <laughs> and we loved it, yeah. we did. And it was a big wrench to move out. But coming here, we miss our old house. Mm. But when we think about what we have here, and we look out of our windows in the morning, we think, oh, it's a nice place to be. Alcanbury Wheel continues to evolve. Where clay was once extracted for pottery, we now find the advanced industries of the future who have moved into the brand new enterprise campus and business spaces. The wide open agricultural land that was once used for crops is now tended by residents in the community allotments. And the tarmac runways are being transformed into lush green parks. We're very blessed here with uh, lots of nice walks and uh, eventually be even more. Uh, the morning we um, will go up by our paper and uh, take a leisurely walk back and and then decide what we're going to do the rest of the day. Yes, we enjoy our walks. There's always someone talking to you that people are so friendly, you know, even with the dogs. We stop and have a word with the dogs and yeah, the children and it's really lovely. Everyone's so, so lovely and really makes you feel good. Living here for me is the spaciousness of it all. With a rich and varied history and a bright new future, the community of Alcanbury Weald has a formidable legacy, some of which is still to be discovered and some of which is yet to be written.
You've been listening to Alcombe Wheel Stories. I'm Raksha Dave. A big thanks to Joanne John, Clemency Cooper, and Mac and Anne Rigby for sharing their insights and memories with us. For more information, visit www.alcombe-wheel.co.uk and be sure to subscribe in your podcast app to hear future episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.